Hello, and welcome to a special discussion on one of our most frequently asked questions. We are asked by junior military officers. How much money can I make? I'm sitting down with transition coach Rob Davis to cover this topic because it does play a significant role in the transition process. From just starting to consider options outside of the military to interviewing and deciding uh, where to start the next chapter of your career. So after today's discussion, we hope that you will walk away with a better understanding of how compensation is structured in corporate America, what variables you could expect to factor into salary as a military officer looking to make an industry switch. And at the end of our discussion, Rob and I will share with you how you can get personalized feedback on what sort of compensation to expect in corporate America. So before we dive into all this content, I wanted to introduce Rob Davis. Thanks, Hope. Yeah, it's great to be here. I appreciate it. Uh, I know as a former junior military officer myself, I, I spent uh, eight years as an, as an armor officer in the Army. Um, I, I transitioned to Cameron Brooks, so I am a, an alumnus, a byproduct of the program, and worked for now 21 years in business. And I know when I came out, I had no idea how compensation worked in corporate America. Uh, obviously, it's a very confusing topic and one I'm excited to to share and hopefully shed some light and, and educate. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for joining us today. And I know you can speak really eloquently on this topic. Um, and I know it's really important um, and something you probably hear often from officers when you're talking with them, um, probably even throughout the process. So um why don't you dive into why you think this is an important topic for military officers? Sure. And before I, before I go into that question, I think it's also just uh, important. I shared my background, but really also important to, for everyone listening or watching, just to understand a little bit of, of Kim Brooks. So, you know, we are really the only um, yeah, GMO recruiting firm that really focuses on the transition, right? Helping folks launch a career in the business world that are, we're focused on junior military officers on, on the slide, if you can see it. We've got a handful of folks here that are really leading the charge in that. Um, we've got between all the folks on the screen, we probably have close to 90 years of combined experience in doing this. And every one of us has been asked this question, like, why is this important? And how much money can I make? And, and a lot of officers share a concern. Like, I know what the pay structure looks like out in corporate America or out in, in the military. I, I know what I'm going to be paid as a as an 03, as an 04, 15 years from now, I know exactly what I'm going to be making because it, it's public knowledge, it's published. And, and so the, you know, in corporate America, it's it's a bit more of an enigma. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are all the forms of compensation? How are they different? What factors play into that? And, and a lot of officers are just, I'm considering a transition or I want a transition, but can I financially do it? Can I take care of my family? Am I going to be you know, living on food stamps. I mean, what is this thing going to look like if I if I get out? So I think it's just one where, um, because it's so known in the military and it's less known, less understood in corporate America. There's that there's that worry and concern, and so it makes sense, which is why we're doing this uh, this webcast and podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I do think 
I hear that on my end often. I actually just um, chatted with a military officer and she said one of her biggest fears um, in even considering making a transition was she was afraid that she wouldn't be able to financially support herself. Um, so it's scary going from something very solid, very known to something that's maybe not quite as understood. Um, so hopefully we'll shed some light on that here today. Um, so let's go ahead and kind of dive on into our first question. Um, so Rob, you know, I know we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to cover these, these options on the screen here, but, um, when companies are looking to hire, what sort of factors play into how they set salary ranges? And I guess really what can officers expect compensation wise? Yeah, it's a, it's a, obviously a great question. And, there's a lot of factors that go into compensation. So one, how many years of military service do you have, right? So if I'm a four-year officer versus say a 10-year officer, there are certain roles and positions that we recruit for and our company, our client companies hire for that years of experience matter. And so I would say the more years of experience you have, typically that compensation will be a little bit greater. Other factors might be your academic background. You know, does your degree point to business? Is it relevant to the business world? Do you have an engineering degree? Do you have a, a finance degree? Uh, or do you have something that may not be as relevant to business? You know, history, political science, et cetera. Doesn't mean that's not applicable, but typically degrees that are more pointed toward the business world also can command a little bit of a higher salary. Do you have a graduate degree? And what is that graduate degree? If I have an MBA versus say, maybe a master's in intelligence studies or something like that, just as an example, uh, that will also play into it. Certifications. Certifications to a lesser degree affect compensation because, again, they're not a degree. They're, they didn't take four years, two years to get it. But you know, things like uh, a PMP, a project management professional, a Six Sigma certification, something that might be relevant to the business world could affect compensation to a certain degree. Another factor is really what is your military branch or specialty? You know, as I said, I'm, I'm an ex-armor officer. Someone might be an Air Force acquisitions officer, a, a Navy surface warfare officer, Marine Corps infantry officer. So, you know, some of the, the, the branches and specialties because of the work you do could also to some degree affect compensation because uh, some of that might be a bit more relevant to the business world. And then the one that's probably the less thought of is how well can you interview? You know, mm. when you step into, because we, you know, we specifically screen for salaries as well. So we're bringing a company to a conference and we're, you know, we're vetting the position they want to hire for because one, it's got to be, you know, one that is a JMO could interview for. Not so much of it, you know, it requires a ton of industry experience or a certain specific niche of expertise that's probably not going to be as good of a fit. So we're looking for making sure the roles are, are in line with a JMO's background and experience. And so there's going to be a typical range the companies will, will offer, say, hey, for, for this position in our industry, in this location, this is the range. Once you get into the room, whether it be physical or virtual, and you're interviewing, how well you communicate your background can move you up and down within that range to some degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's definitely something that we work on really closely with officers in our program, because that is the big got to get your foot in the door um, part of the <laughs> interviewing process. That's right. good. Um, so you kind of hinted at it. Um, I think 
for officers who are looking to interview. Um, I think something that does fa- factor into compensation and can factor into compensation is starting with a company that really values your background. Um, so for our listeners, I mean, how can you make sure, or how can they make sure that a company really values their background and understands them? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. And and one that's not necessarily easy to to answer because Mm -hmm. if you're kind of out there, you know, looking through company websites or or talking to somebody, or maybe it's an HR person that you don't know, a lot of companies talk about, you know, veteran recruiting and valuing the veteran and, and, and a lot that, that sounds great, but that doesn't mean they understand your background. That doesn't mean they understand the types of roles that are good fits and how to really put you in a position to succeed. That's part of where Cameron Brooks comes in because that's part of our responsibility. When we are bringing companies, you know, to our hiring events, to what we call a career conference, we are specifically vetting that company to make sure we understand the industry they play in, are they a leader in that industry? You know, where does the initiative to, to hire a junior military officer come from? What business units coming to hire? Who's the hiring manager? Do they have a track record of hiring JMOs and developing them? And so we're really vetting, you know, that opportunity to make sure this is a company that not only appreciates service. I think it's safe to say that all companies appreciate service, but yes. do they know how to take advantage in a positive way your background to allow you to to thrive in that role and in that organization? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a great point. <laughs> and um, okay, so we've we've covered factors um, that can affect compensation as you look to make that industry switch. So let's talk about the different varieties and types of compensations because I do think that really can differ from the military. So um, you know, the business world does have a wide range of ways that they do compensate their employees. What forms of compensation should officers know about when considering business opportunities? Sure. So we think with the military first, right? We, we have our, our base pay, we have BAH or basic allowance for housing and BAS basic allowance of subsistence. So I butchered that word. But essentially, you kind of have three things. And there, you know, if you're over in an employed situation, there'd be some other things there. But typically, you know, base pay is exactly what you think of it is. It is the, you know, typically your, your annual salary that's being paid. And that's aside from bonuses or other forms of compensation we'll talk about here in a second. So what is your basic annual salary? Every It's typically paid out either you know, twice a month or on a monthly basis. Some companies allow you to pick that. Some will just be, it'd be, you know, one option versus the other. But it's essentially what you're making on an annual basis. So typically you have what's called, salaried employees as opposed to an hourly. The roles we recruit for are typically what we call salaried employees. So you're being paid an annual salary um, and that's what your base pay is. So exactly what you think of it is when your base pay in the military, same thing here. But then you've got additional forms of compensation. So one thing that the military does not pay out or doesn't have a form of compensation we call bonuses. And so that's above and beyond your base pay. It's typically taxed differently than your base pay. Mm-hmm. And that can be um, different forms. So one of those is a performance-based bonus. So typically that would be a percentage of your annual salary. So it'll be a target percentage of your annual salary. So let's say it's 10%. So if you were making hundred grand a year, that could be you know, 10,000 additional dollars you could earn. And 
what goes into that? Well, typically in, the, in most companies, and every company does it a little differently, that, that bonus, that performance-based bonus might be based off of how the company performs as a whole. So how do they do relative to their target revenue, profit goals, et cetera. Part of that bonus might also be how you individually perform. So you may sit down with your, your boss uh, at the end of the year or the beginning of the year and say, hey, here's some, some specific metrics or targets for you to hit. So part of that bonus might be based on how you individually perform. Some of it might be re- relevant to how the company as a whole performs. So that's mm-hmm. your performance-based bonus. Then you have a commission, right? So typically you're going to see this uh, in, in the sales career field. So you have a base pay, but then you have a greater variability uh, commission-based bonus based on target revenues you're trying to hit. So in a, in a sales role, you're trying to grow the business, right? So how well you do relative to that, uh, you can earn that commission. So that's why a lot of folks gravitate towards the sales career field because you can control a greater degree of your compensation based on how you perform because there's typically no cap on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You may have a signing bonus. So a lot of companies that we work with, when they make an offer, they'll say, hey, here's a here's a signing bonus for, hey, coming on board. Glad to have you here. And it might be, it's, a, it's kind of a one-time um, Welcome. bonus. Welcome. <laughs> like, hey, we really want you to come join our company, right? And so exactly. again, one-time your signing bonus. And then the other thing you also see is, um, is what we call a spot or discretionary you know, bonus. And you know, I used to, when I was working for my, my first company, Cisco Systems, uh, we would, I would have responsible for helping launch new products into the marketplace. So I would have a cross-functional team that would help me. So I'd have an engineering you know, person, a supply chain person, you know, et cetera. And so when we successfully launched the product, a lot of cases I would put them in for like a spot or discretionary bonus, be a one-time based off of an accomplishment, the conclusion of a project, you know, something along those times, you know, achieving basically a major goal, or maybe they just had exceptional performance and it'd be a, be a one-off kind of thing that, uh, that they could, could also um, be rewarded for. So there's a lot of versions of the bonus, if you will. So we got the base pay, we've got different bonuses. And then you also, if, you have, if you're a publicly traded company, there could also be stock options. And that could be awarded initially when you sign on with the company. That could be done on, on an annual basis. It could also be a spot or discretionary award as well based on that. But you know, without getting really complicated, stock options, they're, they're a financial instrument that gives the recipient the ability to purchase a certain number of shares in a company at a certain fixed price. And so they could be, again, awarded as a signing bonus. It could be done as part of an annual award, spot award. But bonus, stock options typically come with a vesting period. So in a lot of cases, it might be like a five-year period. So if you're awarded 10,000 shares, for example, you get like a fifth of those shares that vest, meaning you can actually cash them in and do something with them financially. So it might be, you know, 2,000 shares, then 2,000 shares, then 2,000. And finally, after the five-year period, you're fully, quote, unquote, vested with the stock stock option. So then you could, uh, based on the stock price, if, if you bought them, you know, at at $2 per share, and then they grew to $10 per share, obviously you're going to make more money based mm-hmm. on how the company overall performs. So that, that could be a fairly lucrative um, award in terms of compensation, but it also can go the other way if the company's not doing so great. So obviously there's incentive to help your company perform at its best because with the stock option, that bodes well for you if the company earns earns more and, and their uh, stock price goes up. Right. Mm-hmm. Then lastly, you've got kind of the overall benefits package. So this 
necessarily isn't monetary in terms, but that can be additional perks. So it could be uh, family medical leave, uh, subsidized health, uh, dental and vision insurance, unemployment insurance. Uh, there could be like tax-free accounts for medical expenses, like what they call it, um, a health savings account, flexible spending accounts. So that can be money you can put in to be used for, for healthcare, um, life insurance, uh, what we call PTO. So in the military, you call that leave. We call that pay time <laughs> off. Um, vacation time. And it also could be you know, retirement plans. So the most common out there would be, everyone's familiar with, is the 401k. So you contribute a certain amount, and a lot of companies will match a certain percentage of what you contribute. So you're basically you know, getting free money into your retirement plan. So a lot of those things are going to the overall benefits package. So as you can see, there's just a lot more forms of compensation available to you in the business world uh, than you'll find in the military. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it does vary, you know, obviously based on company, but, um, at least the opportunities that we see come through, I've seen versions of all of these and it's really exciting <laughs> to present these to our officers and say, look at everything that you could be yeah. getting. <laughs> you come back to when you talk about, you know, base pay and bonuses and specifically the performance-based bonus. That's why when you look at a military pay scale, I mean, it's very incremental on mm-hmm. how things are paid. With, with a base pay and bonus, they're, they're actually synergistic together. So for example, if let's say you were coming out making hundred grand and you're getting 10% of your bonus, when you get a promotion, that typically means you're gonna get a raise that goes along with that promotion. So now let's say you're making 110,000 a year, but now your target performance bonus might go up. So now it's maybe 15%. Mm-hmm. So as before, if it was 10%, Making a total comp of 110. Now you're 110 times potentially 1.15. So that that number, you know, can increase more. So that's why you can make some significant leapfrogs in compensation as those two things rise. Yeah, and that's an that's an interesting point. Like earnings potential as you kind of accelerate into your business career is, like you said, kind of it can be uncapped and it's really based on performance. Um, so I think that's an attractive option, uh, for military officers that, you know, especially ones we speak with. Um, okay. So uh, now that we better understand the forms of compensation, what sort of variables can affect your salary? Yeah. So we got the different types of compensation. Now, what kind of affects that? So one, a big one is location, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's this thing as BAH in, in the, in the business world. So if you're stationed in Hawaii, Versus, say, you know, um, Jacksonville, North Carolina, you know, you're going to get a, a, a very different basic allowance for housing. That's how the military adjusts for where you're being stationed. In the business world, because BAH does not exist, companies physically change the base salary based on cost of living. So if you went to work for a company in New York City, as opposed to the exact same company, exact same job, in Kansas City, the job in New York is going to pay more. So mm-hmm. companies will physically adjust the salary um, based off of that. And, and that can be significant. Sometimes if you're a higher cost of living, you could be, you could be 10, 15, even 20,000 hours more based on where the, uh, obviously based on what the role dictates, but based on the cost of living. I think industry is also one of those that adjust. Certain industries simply pay more. Now, why is that? Well, sometimes, um, the work may require to be in a more difficult location. So take energy sector, oil and gas, 
you know, out there, you know, given the, the conditions, or maybe a job requires more travel, like things like with consulting, for example. So they're going to compensate a little more based off of off of the role and, and the industry. Um, and also, you know, based on the on the position itself. So sometimes companies, if they have more stringent objective requirements, hey, this position requires this type of a degree or requires this many years of experience. The more specific the company gets around the objective or criteria means they're going to have a smaller talent pool to pull from, which means they're willing to pay a bit more because they've got to, to, to attract that, attract that talent. And, and that could be things that might be industries that are more technical in nature, you know, high tech, medical device, you know, software development is just a, a couple of examples. So I think those things pay in, play into, um, into the, the variables. But as I said before, your communication skills, you know, aka crushing the interview, right? <laughs> so can you can you get in there and really prove your fit? Can you demonstrate to the company that you have the ability to solve their problem? Right? Companies, when they come to us, they have a problem. That problem is they have an open position. That position is designed to bring value to the organization. So if no one's in the role, that's a problem. You know, think just like in the military. If I'm a company commander and I, I have an open platoon leader position. That is a problem for me in the organization. If I am a department head and I have a division officer role that's, that's vacant, the, the bill has been gapped, I, I've got a problem. So the better you're able to communicate your background, translate your skills, demonstrate how you can solve that company's problem, like I said, that can shift up into the, the range of, of the salary. And I think this, this goes without saying, but I think it's you know, also one that folks don't always think about is, am I in the right fit? Am I in the right position to really capitalize on my skill set? Is this an organization that fits me culturally? So the, the better job you can do, and that typically means that I found a good company with a good cultural fit, my skill sets translate. So if you can find the right fit, the faster you're going to ramp, the bigger the impact you're going to make, and the quicker you're going to become promoted, which typically translates into an increase in compensation. Right. Exactly. That, that upward mobility compensation wise. That's awesome. Okay. So thank you for kind of running us through all of those factors and variables. Um, Rob, if officers are curious you know, to learn more about what salary ranges they could expect specific to their background and where can they learn more? How can they learn more? Yeah, uh, great question. So one, um, akin to, the, to this uh, webcast and podcast, we have, a, we have a white paper that goes a bit more in depth and, and detail. So they can access that onto the camera-brooks.com website. Um, but specific to them, you know, that is where kind of our conversations you know, come into play. So typically they can reach out to, to Cameron Brooks, uh, find the transition specialist that works, you know, or handles their specific locale. Uh, that starts the dialogue. And eventually when they, when they get to me and we're having a, com- a conversation around you know, their marketability, their career goals, their strategy, you know, that is something that myself and my two colleagues, Pete Van Epps and Joel Dunker will get into. We'll be able to talk more about the range they can expect relative to their academic background, their military specialty, their years of service, and it can really give them a much better idea and in depth about what they could expect relative to all those things that we that I just talked about. 
Great. Okay. Super. Um, well, thank you for this discussion today, Rob, and hopefully this, um, discussion that we did have today helped you better understand compensation and salary in corporate America and what you might be able to expect. Again, if you are interested in exploring your options or just learning more about what you could specifically expect, you can reach out to the team at Cameron Brooks. You can email Rob at rdavis at cameron-brooks.com, or you can contact myself, um, connect with us on LinkedIn. You know, we'd love to hear from you. Um, but again, thank you, Rob, for sitting down with us today. Uh, this was great. It's been my pleasure. Hope, hope it's helpful and uh, look forward to talking to any officer that's uh, wanting to explore their options.